I'm Danny Valentino, and welcome to Crypto on the Beat, a podcast that explores the relationship between music and cryptocurrency. Every episode, we break down the latest news in the space and are joined by some of the players on the cutting edge of these new trends that are helping to reshape our world. This is Crypto on the Beat. Coming up on this episode of Crypto on the Beat, all the headlines making waves in today's digital economy, plus my conversation with the global superstar, DJ and producer Armin Van Buren, who is slowly but surely working his way into the crypto and Web3 world and just recently launched his own Discord server. We are a completely different company right now. You know, that could happen with the blockchain as well. Once the technology is, is in a point where we can actually access it easily, it will replace our current system of money, you know, with banks and everything. We'll get into all that and more in the full conversation coming up in just a bit. But first, let's check out some headlines. Warner Music Group has announced a partnership with NFT marketplace OpenSea to provide a platform for their musical artists to build and extend their fan base into the Web3 community. Select Warner artists will be able to launch their NFT collections and other limited edition projects on their own customizable and dedicated drop pages. Warner says the partnership will introduce existing fan bases to new forms of connection and creativity through NFTs and open up new opportunities for fans to engage with music and artists within the Web3 community. A new crypto project has been launched catering exclusively to clubbers. Clubcoin is introducing a new party-to-earn feature. The company aims to establish a new payment method that is accepted by everyone in the music ecosystem, where rewards can be earned, and those rewards would then unlock VIP-type experiences that money can't buy. Some of the world's biggest clubs, festivals, and music brands are already on board, like Amnesia and Pacha and Ibiza, and also DJ Mag. Info is available now online, and minting will begin by the end of October. Sounds pretty interesting. And Walmart has become the latest big brand to officially step into the metaverse. Walmart Land is now a thing, and it's a new world on Roblox, featuring everything from film and music to fashion, shopping, and games. Country star Kane Brown and Madison Beer will headline Electric Fest in Walmart Land later this month to help celebrate the launch. Really excited to welcome uh, today's guest on the show. He's a global superstar, uh, DJ, producer, uh, co-founder of the Armada Music record label. Uh, a man I've spoken to many times over the years about music, festivals, and life. And now for the first time, we get to have a little bit of a different conversation about all things crypto and how this increasingly digital world we're living in is uh, impacting his career, the music industry, and beyond. Armin Van Buren, welcome wow. to the show. Wow, thank you for the kind introduction. <laughs> Your newest song is actually called Computers Take Over the World. Uh, some of the vocals from this are a digital computer-sounding voice saying things like, let me prove we can create music by ourselves now. I mean, the inspiration for this uh, is what? And, and do you believe, I mean, that this is uh, ultimately where we could be headed? Well, it's definitely inspired by the whole uh, like dark discussion about computers taking over our lives and all the movies that were inspired by that and AI, you know, is being smarter than, than it's definitely inspired by that. And so there's a there is a deeper meaning behind it, and I just thought it was funny because on the surface it's just a fun little techno track uh, that works really in my uh, really well in my sets. But it is something I am worried about a little. Yeah, yeah. things are moving in this direction quickly. Uh, many would say the pandemic may have sped things up a bit, forcing us inside more time in front of screens, things like that. I mean, five years ago, not many people were talking about crypto. 
NFTs and, and the metaverse, they weren't even around. And yet here we are in 2022 and these things are all the rage. I mean, do you remember even your first time hearing about things like this? And, uh, you know, how how would you gauge your interest level in uh, in crypto at this point? I have a crew that tour with me, my tour crew, and there's a, a, tour, a crew of six. Uh, and at the time, there was this tech head called Sander, and uh, he was a technical guy doing all the pyros and, and everything during my show. I had at the moment I had bracelets around my arm to control the the lights and stuff, and uh, he was the guy programming that. And uh, I'm still in touch with him. And I remember in 2017 or 2018 we were touring, and he was telling me about Bitcoin. He said you have to buy it now, you know, it's going to go up. And I and everybody, I remember everybody in the in the crew was like, ah, it's what is it? You know, it's like it's digital money. How does that work? You know, w- w- wallets. And I was laughing a little bit. I, I think it was the same laugh that I had towards Michael, my business partner in Amada, when he said streaming would be taking over that everybody would listen to music <laughs> on streaming and i was like what do you need streaming for you know well how wrong was i on both subjects it is it is there you know and it's it's part of our lives you've actually experimented a little bit uh, with the blockchain you did an interesting project earlier this year with a company called him which is calling itself uh, the nft theater for a new era of fans i mean there was an nft drop Fans were able to buy collectibles, and and then they were able to play a role in creating a documentary about your life. I mean, sounds unique. Tell us more about that. I was doing this uh, one-off show in the uh, Ziggo Dome in Amsterdam, and the idea was to uh, create a concert, um, uh, but not a concert um, like in the classical sense. Uh, normally, I would upload my shows to YouTube and make a registration of it. But we really wanted to go next level because that's been done so many times. And um, I also wanted to tell the story behind the show because, like I said, I went through a little bit of a um, uh, soul search myself. Sure. Uh, I had a little bit of a, uh, well, you could call it spiritual awakening even. And uh, that's also the reason why you know I decided to do less gigs in the summer and just really thought about my mental health. And you know, ever since the passing of Avicii, I think it's a great it's now it's a good time a lot of djs are opening up about their struggles i mean as as nice as this industry is as as great as thankful as i am for touring the world and you know sitting on private jets and playing main stages there's also a a downside to it you know um has to do with uh, all the temptations on the road uh, whether it's uh, addiction depression anxiety and uh yeah i really started to look closely at myself and i figured out i needed to do some work on that you know i wasn't really happy i was just you know, doing a lot of people pleasing out there, um, doing everything for my fans, but ultimately forgetting about me, forgetting about myself. And uh, when doors opened again after COVID, um, I came up with this idea together with Rabel in LA to write a song called uh, Feel Again, mm-hmm. which is basically about, of course, coming out of COVID, but also allowing my, me, myself, allowing to look at myself, look at who is Armin Van Buren really, you know, uh, after the whole facade, behind the whole facade of, of you know, state of trance and armada and everything. Who, who am I really and what do I want? It's, you know, blended in with a little midlife crisis there and um, <laughs> everything. So I had a story there um, and I translated that story into a show. Um, and the show we did in the Ziggo Dome in Amsterdam, uh, which is the biggest concert venue. So it holds 15,000 people, sold out five nights, for actually mm-hmm. four nights and one uh, all-ages show. So we did five shows there, and uh, we, we we captured that in in beautiful 4K with amazing cameras and everything. But it was blended in with a uh, with with the story that I wanted to tell with the show. Because during the night, you know, when you have people come for the music, they don't come for me talking for an hour about you know my <laughs> philosophical background and everything. 
Um, so that's what we wanted to do with the show. So, and him, uh, obviously this, this costs a lot of money, you know, you need a good director and, and they said, well, you know, we can do this next level by doing a, an online stream, a one-time stream. People can buy tickets for it in the him theater and we can, uh, add NFTs to that. So just for the, for the specific show. So it's not, it's not an army van Buren NFT. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a him NFT about the feel again show. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was cool, you know. It's it's I'm trying to you know stay relevant in the in the new in the new world as well. And uh, I think it's important that I reach out to those fans. So it was kind of a first. I tried to tip my toe in the water to see what that whole NFT thing was about, and um, I thought it was very interesting to see the reaction of the fans. I mean, I think it's a great way to interact with fans. It's a great way to open doors for communicating with fans, and uh, it all starts with Discord, of course. I was already on Discord before the whole NFT thing wa- was there. I mean, right. Discord. For people that don't know it, Discord is it's actually a social media platform that was initially created, I think, for gaming, video gaming, mm-hmm. uh, for people that wanted to. Uh, communicate during their video games and uh, for, you know, uh, voice over IP, you know, uh, for live gaming. But Discord became the the home for NFT, for a lot of NFTs. You know, there's, I, d- I don't think you'll find many NFTs that are being released outside of the Discord community. So you start with Discord. I already wanted to start a community, sort of a Discord community around the state of trance. Every week I have a radio show, as you know, mm-hmm. for 20 years. We just read, reached episode 1000 and I have a really loyal following. And I've been following that group of people through, in the early days, through IRC chat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember what that is, but... Uh, I actually don't. Internet relay chat. It's one of the first ways to communicate. And it okay. was very interesting, very interesting platform. So let's let's rewind to 2001, if I may. Sure. I was approached by the station director called Robin Albers. Um, uh, you may know him better as JD from the track Plastic Dreams. Mm-hmm. It's a huge classic. Wow. Exactly, that track. And he asked me to do a weekly radio show about the latest in trance and progressive. And at the time, DJs weren't doing radio shows. You know, you only had Judge Jules and P. Tong and Radio One, and that was about it, you know. So a lot of people said I was crazy for doing a radio show, a two-hour radio show. So check this out. I was doing the radio show in the Dutch language on the Dutch station. It was not in English. It was not available. It wasn't even on FM. It was only on cable. <laughs> so I was doing this radio show, started it, and a lot of my colleague DJs that now have their own radio shows said, oh, you are crazy doing a two-hour radio show about trance? What? There's not even that many releases, <laughs> you know? And I just love radio i still do i mean it's also the reason why i'm here because i think i believed in in radio as a medium to communicate with fans started the radio show and two guys in the north of the netherlands used this thing called shoutcast you remember that i do it was the very first one of the very first means to stream audio over the internet which blew my mind at the time i didn't even know what the word streaming meant and they were relaying my show worldwide and while that happened there was this thing called IRC chat, which was the very, 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 very basic, you know, it's like MS-DOS kind of app, um, where people were actually, they opened a chat room with a state of trance, ASOT. I remember that was the first time I saw the abbreviation, mm-hmm. which I never liked. I never liked ASOT. I just thought state of trance much cooler. Interesting. But they had to abbreviate it because, you know, because of the, the amount of characters available. Yeah. Check this out. I'm 24 years old. I'm playing vinyl in this small studio in Amsterdam on a cable radio station. I'm talking Dutch. 
During the show, I'm opening EIRC and I see this immense conversation about the tracks that I'm currently playing. That blew my mind. I was like, what is happening? And so this is 2002. And I'm, I'm playing the show, doing my presentations, and all these people were chatting about my music online in English. I'm like, how is this possible? And that's when we started Armada. That's actually, I think, the, 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 it's been the basis of my success. If I, if I, if I, um, that's what I keep telling people. I mean, what happened there was revolutionary because I created a community on IRC chat. Later, we had bulletin boards, and later we, it went on Twitter, and we went to Facebook, and we had the chat there. Discord actually brings me back to the IRC days. It, it's this community that's not controlled by a platform uh, like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. It's not controlled. It's open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now have this community, and every week during the episode, I talk to my fans on Discord. And I love that. It's great. It's the, it's the most amazing thing. So while I'm playing the tracks on my radio show every Thursday, 8 o'clock Central European time, so that's 2 p.m. New York time, I just see the reactions. And that has always been the basis for me to test new music. Sure. So when I'm insecure about a track, I play it on a, on a state of trance. I tell my fans I'm insecure about it. I ask them for their opinion. And it's always different what you expect. You mm-hmm. know, some bands love a track that I absolutely don't like <laughs> and the other way around. So if I could guess about what the secret of my success is, that has been a, played a big role because where a lot of DJs were playing the tracks for the first time live in their sets, I already tested the waters with my fans. Right. So, and during the chat, I was also asking, hey, I'm playing uh, God's Kitchen in the UK this weekend. Uh, what tracks should I play? And then there was 10 people, oh, I'm attending your show. Can you please play uh, uh, Chesto's Flight 643 or Marco V Simulated? Okay, got that in the back. Next, you know. So I came prepared. I came prepared to these gigs. And and that's what I love about this community. You know, as much as I do love making radio, I'm very insecure about my sets because I don't know if what I'm doing is right, you know, if people like it. But having the feedback in a live stream with fans actually talking about the music, that gives you the advantage. It helps, I'm sure. And I love that history lesson. I'm sure a lot of people uh, can relate to a lot of the things that you were just talking about and some memories of some uh, companies that still exist and some that uh, are in the history books with us. Um, just one other use case that we're seeing with, uh, with NFTs, I'm sure you've probably uh, had this come up on your radar, especially in the dance world. Uh, for example, blouse company Royal, where uh, fans are allowed to own a piece of their favorite artist's song or album, right? We've seen major artists like Diplo and the Chainsmokers and uh, not just dance. I think Nas also is involved. What are your thoughts on this type of model? And uh, is this something you would ever consider where, you know, maybe a fan could buy a piece uh, of, a, of a future album or song oh, that, that you put out? Yeah, I think this is the future. Um, and I think it's also more fair towards the um, artists out mm-hmm. there. You know, they get paid from their fans and they can just say like how much it's worth to them. And yeah, it makes it makes total sense. I think the direct communication with the fans is always a win-win. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something I will consider. Having said that though, I'm a little afraid to sort of milk the uh, the community. That's not what I want. You know, I'm... I'm talking to the fans. They give me so much back by just replying to my questions or, or you know, replying to the to the to the show, and uh, that is very valuable data for me for my DJ sets as well. Mm-hmm. So I told I told uh, my management as well. It's like just take it easy on the on the NFTs for now. I mean, we will launch an NFT. I'm actually working with a big big NFT artist at the moment to create a super special artwork, but I'm not 
launching it yet. I want to wait till it's actually has to fit my brand manual, needs to fit the Arm of Van Buren brand. I just don't want to throw random NFTs like, hey, so uh, the thing I did with him was actually not an Army Van Buren NFT. It was a him NFT. It was right. for me to test the waters to see, is my fan base even interested in this? I don't want to just make money on the back of my fans. I want to create cool content that I think really adds to the, my brand and adds to the State of Trans brand and actually gives fans value for money, you know, it actually gives them something that they're proud to own, you know. So I'd want to think about that, create something unique um, and we have some cool ideas right now. I think that's important, though. And what you're what you're touching on is fans can tell the difference between something that's authentic and something that's not. I and think this is the key point of this whole discussion. You know, uh, with NFTs, I already figured that that's the case. So I'm taking it easy. Another area that's getting a lot of attention uh, is the metaverse. You're getting yourself involved in this uh, in, in a way. Uh, we've seen artists doing concerts in, in Roblox and, and Fortnite at Marshmallow, Lizzo, millions of people watching on a Tuesday afternoon. I mean, the, the, the attention of this is incredible. You just signed on with a new company uh, called Sensorium Galaxy. Uh, they're promising a series of virtual worlds that's they're going to be hosting performances from some of the biggest DJs in the world. What can you tell us about this? It sounds, you know, pretty exciting. Uh, well, because of COVID, it was all a little uh, postponed. Um, yeah. I think if uh, if COVID showed us one thing, it is that uh, there is interest in live streams from people. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of people who just don't have the opportunity to travel to see shows. So it's a great way to reach a lot of fans. Uh, that was also the idea behind the hymn concert uh, and the registration. So um, there was many people that couldn't get tickets for the Ziggo Dome. So it's a great way to reach those fans. And it's something new, you know. It's it's a new territory that we we can tap into. Um, they yeah. just launched the 24-7 streaming channel. I think it was this week. And uh, it's AI-driven, I believe. And you're you're... I went into it for a couple of minutes. You're essentially like transported in into the metaverse. There's these interesting beings and, and creatures and stuff just vibing. I don't think they have any of the superstar DJs just yet, uh, but I know you. I think David Guetta, some big names have signed on. Yeah. I mean, do you have any uh, idea like how this is going to work for you? Did they need to create an avatar of Armin Van Buren? Oh, yeah. Or- yeah. I think we've already planned a shoot for that. That's going to be an avatar. I'll be carefully photographed all my movements and everything. That's so funny <laughs> to me, you know. <laughs> Welcome to 2022, you know, <laughs> I have to catch on, uh, but it, I think it's super cool. I mean, let's go back to the foundation, right? What do I want? What do I want to do? Who's Armin Van Buren? What do I want to do? Armin Van Buren is a music lover, first and foremost, and I want to create, I have a lot of crazy ideas. I mean, some of them are too crazy, like blah, 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 and ping pong, and now computers take over the world. This little silly Armin, but there's also a lot of serious Armin, you know, with uh, the more underground trans tracks, which I absolutely love. And I want to share these sides of me, uh, you know, as an artist, um, creatively with fans. So don't tell this to my management, but I love my work so much. Uh, you know, I would do my gigs for free still to this day. I just love it. I love playing for a crowd. You know, when I'm playing Electric Zoo, do you think I'm thinking about how much money I'm making? I don't even know how much money I'm making. It's not about that. I just want to have fun, you know, just be on stage, you know, give a lot of energy, just have, you know, have fun. And that's what I do. So whether it's through the metaverse you know, ASOT is kind of, you know, uh, a metaverse 1.0 or 0.8. I don't know how you call it, but <laughs> with ASOT, I already tapped into that thing. That's what I was trying to explain to you. Um, you know, ha- streaming my show through Shoutcast, even though that wasn't my initiative because it was done by other guys. It, it woke me up to the idea that there's a whole community that's interested in dance music outside of the clubs and dance floors. 
And um, that's what ASOT showed me. You know, doing a weekly radio show showed me that people want to hear this music also on the train where they're commuting to work or mm -hmm. when they're just chilling out. They, they want to hear trance. So it's not only a thing that's, you know, for the record shops and, and for, for clubs. And Metaverse, for me, is just another platform to, to showcase my, my music to fans. I can't wait to talk to you maybe in six months and find out how that avatar situation went because I've heard stories from people who have had to sit for that. It's a, it's a process. It's yeah. a process. And Cascade was on the show talking about what went into uh, his, um, I think it was Fortnite, he did a performance. Uh, it was a 30-minute set, and he was like, gigging for an entire weekend he felt like non-stop and he said i felt like i've been working for six weeks straight i just how many more times can i jump up and down it's like so just to shoot your avatar i think is going to be a, a memorable experience for you and uh, i look forward to seeing it and uh, seeing your first show uh you know whenever it uh whenever it might pop up so uh which leads me to my final question you know obviously we've seen so much innovation and we've seen so much change in the music industry in just these past five years uh, i know it's tough to predict the future but, I mean, you're always planning, your, your management and your team are always looking ahead. Uh, I mean, just how much of an impact do you feel like this new technology is going to have uh, on the future of what you do and, and on the future of music? I think at, sooner or later, banks will embrace the blockchain. The only problem with the blockchain right now is it, it takes a lot of time to update the blockchain. You know, if it, it enhances our lives, you know, you can pay with your phone right now. Who would have thought that 20 years ago? I think there's something really beautiful and something really valuable in a whole blockchain thought. Uh, so the future will tell if it actually works. But I think that that is absolutely the future. Because it's verifiable, it's safe. When we started Armada, this is also a fun thing that I always like to point out. When we started Armada, 60% of our turnover was vinyl sales. That makes you think, right? It's just, it, we are a completely different company right now. We are a completely different company. And uh, that, could, you know, that could happen with the blockchain as well. You know, I, I think uh, once, they, once the technology is, is in a point where we can actually access it easily and it will replace our current system of money, you know, with banks and everything. I think the banks are super scared because, you know, they're going to, if we don't need banks anymore, oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, over the past couple of years, you've seen their position on this stuff change quite a bit. All the big CEOs, they, oh, it's all a scam. It's a fad. And then, you know, 18 months later, they all offer it. Why? Because the clients demand it. So yes. the people have the say, but you know it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how fast things progress over the next uh, couple of years because we're certainly heading in a very interesting direction. And for a lot of the younger generation, uh, the digital world is almost as important as the in real life world. Oh, if and I look at my own kids, I I have to agree with you there. Um, my son is just he grows up in a totally different world than I do. I mean, I didn't have a, a mobile phone until I was twenty years old. And when I walk to his bedroom, he he's playing uh, he's playing on his PlayStation while while he's watching Netflix on his iPad. <laughs> Blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> and I look at that and I'm thinking, should I oppose to this? Is this good for him? But I can't control that anyway. You know, he he he's gonna he's gonna grow up in a totally different world than I grew up in 1980 or 1990. You know. Uh, he's 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 a different consumer, and uh, you know, all, if I look at how my daughter, how much she's on her phone, we we try to take it away, but she actually learned to speak English off of her 
of her YouTube channel. <laughs> so she's on YouTube at least, I think, half an hour or 45 minutes every day. And then we were in Canada, and we were with our friends, and there was an English uh, friend of theirs. And she was having a conversation with him in English. And she's 11. <laughs> I was like, what? So there's also good sides to it. You know, I don't want to be yep. just negative about it. I think... Um, yeah, there's a bright future for NFTs and, and for the blockchain. I think we just won't call it the blockchain. I think it will transform into something else that's more, you know, adapted to the fast world that we live in. Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to have it. And uh, always great to catch up with you. Armin Van Buren. Thanks so much. That was my conversation with dance music legend Armin Van Buren, just dipping his toe into the water with NFTs and Web3. Made for a very interesting chat because he may not be the most knowledgeable yet on the subject, but certainly is aware of it and realizes it's going to be a big part of the future. And as an artist, he's already leveraging Web3 technology to deepen the connection with his fans and to help find new ways to communicate with them. It was also fascinating to hear him talk about his early skepticism of music streaming platforms and how they now make up a huge part of his company Armada. It's quite possible he'll be saying the same things about crypto and Web3 years from now. Special thanks to everyone who makes Crypto on the Beat possible. Sarah Bentley, Roger Coletti, Bill Crandall, Jen Derwin, Emily Doherty, Mike Spinella, and Chris Watherspoon. I'm your host, Danny Valentino. Crypto on the Beat is a Sirius XM production. Sirius XM Podcasts. <laughs>